You are listening to Processing Trauma Out Loud, conversations about trauma and healing from two women who are doing the work. My name is Jeremiah Jones, and I am the producer of this podcast. In today's episode, Candace and Cher talk about what it means to own our stories with compassion for what we struggle with today. When our stories encounter the love and kindness of others, we no longer feel the weight of shame that keeps us stuck. Listen in and consider what it might mean to share your story with those who can offer you good care. Hi, Cher. Hey, Candace. Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you, too. Okay, so we're still in 2022, but when our listeners hear this, it is going to be 2023. And I'm super excited that we have a workshop coming up at the beginning of this year. Do you want to share a little bit about the workshop that we have coming up on January 23rd? January 23rd, it is called Can I Really Change? And we're really talking particularly to people who have, of course, childhood trauma and who are carrying wounds from childhood that they continue to have to grapple with. Just find themselves in this place of frustration of I work and work and work. I wish and wish and wish, but nothing ever seems to really change. We're going to kind of come from a little bit different perspective of talking a little bit about the brain and helping people understand what childhood trauma does to our brain and why then we get stuck in these cycles of struggle that we want freedom from and we can't seem to find it. We're going to talk about that and then we're going to do an exercise together that is something that I have developed that is just really effective in identifying some of the roots to why we struggle the way we do. And so we're super excited about offering this in a little bit compacted form than we have done previously and in a shorter format that's really easy for people to do in an hour and a half on January 23rd. One option is the morning or the evening. And we would just love to see people come out for this and experience some time together with us too in, in the Zoom format where we can see faces of some of our listeners. We, we would really love that so much. Well, we enjoyed the one that we did a couple months ago. So I'm excited to do that again with you. And just like you said, get to know some of our listeners. I also want to mention, maybe you're not sure that you've really had childhood trauma and it may even feel hard to want to look at that. This workshop might be even a good place to just come to be curious about that you're not sure. You know, we do this in a way that it's not just about naming that we've had childhood trauma, but the hope that we can have a new story. And speaking of a new story, I just want to start this episode off saying that Cher and I talked about how we wanted to start the new year and had a discussion about our deepest longings and desires and our stories. And you came up with a quote that you read that I just want to start this episode off with as we unpack what does it mean to own our stories? Yeah, this is a quote from Brene Brown. And she said, when we deny our stories, they define us, which we know is so true, right? We have been so defined by our stories. When we own our stories, we get to write the ending. Mm -hmm. And I think 
you and I are experiencing some goodness there, right? As we have owned our stories and owned the harm and shared the truth and even uncovered the truth, we have begun to own our stories in ways that now we we are experiencing real healing and freedom from some of the struggles that we have lived with our entire lives. And I would say that before we heal, we are in the shame of our stories. We are in self-contempt and other contempt. When we've had childhood trauma, there is, you know, for me, there, there was a lot of shame, not only in just what happened, but through associations, through as I grew older, the ways that I learned to cope and survive, lots of shame. And then turning towards self-contempt was one of my biggest things. And it wasn't until I entered into story work that I began seeing more clearly. Dan Siegel talks about that the healing of childhood trauma is coming up with that cohesive story that we look at how we developed. And so what, what we're talking about today is what would it mean for you? What did it mean for me? And and means for share, that we begin to own our story and know that we are no longer voiceless, powerless, or helpless to write our own stories. So good. And I remember last week on our episode, I shared how I had been reflecting and how in January of last year, I made a decision to share a story that was very hard and carried a lot of shame. And honestly, a lot of, or maybe I will say it caused self-contempt to become embedded in my soul. And by sharing that story, in January last year, it really put me on an entirely different path toward dismantling a lot of that self-contempt and coming to places where I have been able to embrace my deep desire for love that I have lived with and my need. And I will say like, I was born, (laughs) if I can say this, I think I can say this, I was born for a world of tenderness and gentleness and kindness. And I grew up in a world of harshness and demanding and cold and emotional distance. And it has taken me a long, long time to embrace my deep, deep longings for gentleness and tenderness and kindness. And as I have been walking out, owning my story, even in a bigger way in the past year, I've been able to say, yeah, I was made for that kind of a world. And do I get it every moment of every day? No. But do I get it now in my, in the context of my primary attachments? The places, the people where I am most attached are places and people where I get that. And in a way that's alive and robust and passionate. And it's not like it all has to be soft and ushy-gushy, but where there is tenderness and gentleness and kindness. And I love that now I am able to say like, this is who I am and I embrace. It's important for me that this is a part of my world. Yeah, it it makes me want to promote a couple things. One, 
finding someone who can sit with you in the complexities of your own stories that involve harm and hurt and abuse with the caveat that the person that you're doing that with has sat with someone in their own complexities of having childhood harm. Because what happens in there is the birth of authentic love. Yeah. And one of my favorite scripture verses, it's very short, but I believe it with all of my heart, is love never fails. Mm-hmm. I'm not talking about romance. I'm not talking about strong feelings or lack of feelings or however we want to look at love, but like true love just never fails. And when we share our stories, when the energy, if you will, spirit, the Holy Spirit is present. That love is always stronger, always greater than the shame and the contempt that has come for us. It is living and it's powerful and it's life-changing and yet it's a lifelong journey and it won't be perfect for us along the way. Yeah. Like we will stumble we will maybe take a step back, but love will continue to move us forward in this journey. Yeah. Love for ourselves and love for others, receiving love, our faith and love for God and his love for us. Those are the things that root and ground us in the most profound ways. Yeah. I, re- I have another quote from Brene Brown that I'd like to share. She said, love will never be certain But after collecting thousands of stories, I'm willing to call this a fact. A deep sense of love and belonging is an irreducible need of all men, women, and children. We are biologically, cognitively, physically, and spiritually wired to love, to be loved, and to belong. And I feel... Like there is such profound truth there. And this is somebody who she does the research. She she gets the data, right? Thousands of stories. This is what we are longing for, to love, to be loved and to belong. Yeah. I was thinking about, you know, what it has meant for me to own my story. And there's a lot there for me. And even that I feel like there's a lot there for me is is a little bit of a trauma response. (laughs) Part of your story. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's part of my story. Except that I know this is true. That for me, love feels like safety. It feels that I can trust, right? Or are you saying safety feels like love? Yes. When you feel safe, that Mm -hmm. feels to you like when you feel safe, you feel like, oh, I'm love. I would say that when I feel safe, I'm open to receive love. Mm. I think that would be the best way to say that. So so what helps you feel safe? What helps me feel safe? Well, we talk about this on almost every episode, but it is the progression of being seen, being soothed and being safe and secure. I think this would, is true for almost everyone, I would think, that to be seen comes with not only to be seen by others, but that I'm able to see myself. Okay, so when I get dysregulated and in the past, not understanding what was going on in my brain and my body and my emotions, and that would kind of drive me 
to relieve that stress, right? So now that I can see myself, I'm like, oh, there's that feeling coming up in my body. There's that chip, that that weight that I'm feeling on my chest. That is the time that I've seen myself well enough that I'm able to slow down and really say, this feels like unsafety, but I really am safe. Mm. And I can help keep myself safe. Mm. That, that's been a big one for me is knowing that I'm able to help keep myself safe. And I won't go into a lot of detail on this. We'll talk more about it later, but we've done many episodes of the different tools that we use Mm -hmm. to soothe. So those first two steps on the scene and soothed is going to help bring me into that safety and security feeling. Well, I just, my body is open to receive love and give love. And I like how you mentioned that. We love it when this comes from others. I mean, we we truly, everything in our body and soul and spirit loves when we are seen and soothed by others. And I like how you also mentioned that you are now turning, you're able to turn toward yourself right in the moment when you are in need and you are able to comfort that little inner child and take care of her in a way that helps her feel seen and soothed. Well, yeah, because the new story is that all was happening before, but because when I would get in that space, the self-contempt would come in and the shame. Yeah. That didn't make me want to turn towards that place inside of me. Mm. It made me want to numb it or deny it or power up and get through it. But now I have so much understanding and compassion and just self-love in the sense that I'm able to know that those feelings and those sensations are not because I'm bad or I'm even Mm -hmm. doing something wrong. They just need care in that moment. Yeah. And that they actually come from your story, right? Mm -hmm. Those sensations and those feelings and those fears and anxiety and or whatever it is, it's the roots are way back. And I'm going to put you on the spot a little bit if I can. We didn't talk about this before. So if, if you know, if we have to edit it out, it's okay. <laughs> but can you think of a time, let's just even say over the last couple of weeks, we've just gone through the holidays and you've been surrounded by family. Can you think of any specifics? I think this is really helpful for our listeners. Could you think of any times when you were seen and soothed either by yourself or where someone noticed and moved in? Yeah. And I will just say, I want to start off with, you know, because we've we've had family here for a couple of weeks and it's been wonderful. And we've had some challenging moments, but I started my day off with knowing that I still needed to exercise. Mm -hmm. So I I did a little bit of proactiveness. But one thing that I noticed, and I think it was maybe on Christmas Day, I don't know, we had close to 20 people here. And it was great and amazing. But I I was kind of getting overwhelmed for a minute over something. And I looked over and my husband just said, can I do anything for you right now? And You know, I couldn't think of anything that he could do for me, but just for the fact that he saw me, Wow, you know, and that, that brought a soothing that Mm. I I actually, I felt loved. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And I, 
I wanted you used the words dysregulated, and I wanted to say that what he did in that moment, right? One question, one little question, can I do anything? It regulated your emotions, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And as I'm thinking over it, it, it I, I, I feel like I want to just name it. It was over something silly. In, yeah, of course, this is it. It's hard to get that many kids and adults to come around and get ready for the meal, right? Some are outside, some are, and I'm just feeling a little stressed out about it. And, you know, as, I, as I'm thinking about it, I'm like, what was it about that? Well, it was that I like for everyone to eat when the food is still hot. Yeah. <laughs> and he, he just noticed. And so that, like I said, that feels silly now that I'm thinking about it, but I did get dysregulated. And I use the words, of course, right? Because it it often is something little that dysregulates us. But if you were able to ponder this a little bit more, or maybe you even know right now. I do. How is it tied to your story? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It was definitely part of my childhood that when the food was hot, you dropped everything. Yeah. And it, and it, it was evolved. It wasn't in my daily life, like in my family of origin, but it was, it was around the holidays. Yeah. Silly, but yeah, it's just but real. Still, yeah. Real. And had you not done your work and doing your work and had your husband not tuned in in that moment, you could have had a meltdown or you could have, <laughs> I mean, right in the past, maybe, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe that would happen. And and then you would have regrets over a meltdown over something silly. And instead, you were able to, and, and not again, you said the words, we don't do it perfectly. And I know, yeah, I'm just uh, laughing here because I'm thinking that you, my kids will would have noticed, you know, and they would have been like, mom, it's okay, you know. And so, yeah, there again, it it, it wasn't that anything bad was going to happen. It was, it was just the whole point of this was that in that moment, when he asked if there was anything he could do to help, I did feel, I felt like he saw me and he cared about me. Yeah. Love that. And it goes back again to your saying that when you feel safe, you feel loved. Yep. I know you talked a little bit about sharing your story and feeling seen in that moment and the growth that you've had through that. But is there anything else specific. I guess I want to turn the question around to you Um, in the last few weeks, if you've had any moments that you were able to notice what you needed and then was able to get that need met. Yeah. As I asked you the question, I thought, okay, (laughs) I better get ready for this to come back at me. So actually something did pop into my mind too. And that is I have had three very unexpected deaths that have occurred um, in the last couple of weeks. And not people who I was closely connected with now, but people who I have been pretty closely connected to in the past. All three of these deaths were just, it, it was a shock. And I really felt a lot of deep sorrow, sadness, some anger, some just grief, just deep, deep grief. And I noticed a few days ago, I noticed that my neck was hurting and I, I thought, oh, I think it was from shoveling snow. I think I even told a few people that, oh, my neck is hurting, but it's from shoveling snow. Well, then it got better. And then this morning my neck hurt again. And so I, and this is an old place where 
when I get dysregulated, I will get neck pain. And so when I woke up with it this morning, I pretty quickly tuned in to, oh, I wonder if this is connected to some emotional dysregulation. And so I just sat with that for a little while and just kind of pondered and just brought some care. And I started to feel like I think it is connected to the sadness that I'm feeling mm-hmm. about these these losses and and the the losses for the people who are you know in their close circle their family and just feeling the heaviness and as I started to sit with that I really felt immediately the pain lifting and it went away within about 20 minutes and it hasn't bothered me again so that was a way that I was able to bring soothing by tuning in and being gentle and just allowing the space for feeling the depth of sadness and and sorrow and anger and I so that was me caring for myself but also yesterday when I reached out and said you know to our our group our pearls and said I'm struggling another thing has happened and and you reached out later in the day with just a text just checking in on me to see how I was doing and or actually we talked I think and just your care in that moment of of just you saw me you you knew that I was feeling the heaviness of this. And so your care meant a lot to me. And that spoke of love and and helped me feel like, yeah, I can be needy and somebody will move close. So thank you. Well, and you had reached out and had shared previously with our group that, you know, you've you just experienced another loss and and you've had, yeah, you've had several in the last few months. And I love the way you went ahead and took the time to be curious. And I mean, we're talking about, and I know we need to wrap up here, but we're talking about owning your story, owning our stories mm-hmm. without the shame and contempt, thinking about your little girl and Maybe she didn't have that attunement when she was hurting and going through a loss and how beautiful it is that because of the healing work that you've done and continue to do, that you were able to offer that to yourself and you were able to receive it from others. Yeah. And how I noticed in that moment that it wasn't just a memory, like I felt it in my body, right? Our body carries our story. Mm -hmm. Our brain carries our story. And when we turn toward ourselves with compassion, we are able, like you said so beautifully, we're able to bring that Mm -hmm. seeing and soothing and safe and security. And I think just as we wrap up, I, I want to just encourage our listeners. We did not want to bring, you know, here are 20 things for you to think about doing This year, not that goals or New Year's resolutions or intentions are wrong or bad because I set mine and you set yours, but we wanted to come in a way that was really gentle toward what would it look like for you to be able to turn toward your story with kindness and compassion. And that, I hope we remember to talk about this a lot this year. I would love if this was really the year of kindness and compassion mm-hmm. for our listeners who are dealing, who are processing their own childhood trauma and that 
as they can turn toward their own selves with kindness and compassion, they can experience the kind of love that their hearts are really longing for. I desire that for you and for me and for our listeners. And it looks like Candace is frozen. So I will just bring an end to this recording. It was great to be with you today and we love you. Thank you for listening to Processing Trauma Out Loud. Make sure to check out the show notes for links to suggested resources and social media. Like, subscribe, and follow to keep up with our weekly content. And if you don't mind, take a moment to rate and review us. Your feedback is extremely valuable and contributes to the success of this podcast. Music was created by Caleb Paxton, and our sound engineer is Jeremiah Jones of Auditory LLC. We welcome you to join us for more conversations soon. Take care.